and welcome to the Equine Physio and Rehabilitation Podcast. My name is Dr. Gillian Tabor. I'm a chartered physiotherapist and I specialise in the treatment and the rehabilitation of horses. So in this podcast, I am going to be talking about my thoughts on saddle fitting. I'm not a saddler and, um, you know, I think saddlers have uh, such a tough job and do amazing work. Uh, it's not easy. Horses change shape. The riders change shape and weight and uh, the demands on the horse change all the time. So there's so many variables with regards to even trying to find a saddle to fit when a horse is stood still, let alone when it's walk, trot, cantering and uh, even jumping. So unfortunately, poor saddle fit um, does cause pain and back pain in horses. And it is something that I come across quite frequently. And uh, in this podcast, I'm going to discuss the factors that uh, I consider are uh, you know, part of my role when it comes to saddle fitting and the problems that I see. So this podcast was recorded for the Stable Science podcast from, uh, for Dr. David Marlin. If you want more information, and there is so much to see, go to www.drdavidmarlin.com. We run a membership group there and there are webinars from behaviorists, biomechanists, nutritionalists, uh, from David, from I, um, and his team do an amazing job of sharing sort of up-to-date research and knowledge with horse owners and professionals. So I really recommend that you go and have a look. But he's got a free podcast that's available in all the usual places. It's called Stable Science. So go and check that out. Uh, But if you carry on listening, you will hear me then go and talk about saddle fitting uh, for the podcast that I recorded for him. Hello and welcome to this podcast for the Dr. David Marlin members. My name is Dr. Gillian Tabor and I'm a chartered physiotherapist and I specialise in the treatment and rehabilitation of horses. This podcast is going to be all about saddle fitting from a physiotherapist's perspective. Now I'm going to um, start this by saying I am not a saddle fitter. I obviously see a lot of horses with back pain and a large proportion of those are related to saddle fitting. I have been on a Society of Master Saddlers course and I work closely with the saddlers in my region. So although I um, don't advise on saddle fit and I certainly don't flock or or change saddles and I don't sell saddles, I actually am um, confident in the fact that I can look at a saddle and decide whether it is a contributing factor to the presenting clinical signs in the horse in front of me. So for every horse, ridden horse that is, that I see, I, uh, if I am concerned that it could be related to the saddle, I will have a look at the saddle on the horse. I then work with the owner and the saddler to try and resolve any issues that we have got. The first thing that I'd like to say in defence of saddlers is I do think they have an incredibly tough job. There are lots of reasons why saddles don't fit and a lot of them aren't to do with the saddler at all. One of the things that I hear is that people aren't follow the, following the instructions that the saddlers are giving them. So they might buy a new saddle, uh, they might have you know, it fitted nicely, but they might not then have its sort of first routine check after the flocking is sort of bedded in and settled. Or they might have that and then they might not have regular checks after that because they think, you know, I've got a new saddle and I don't need to get it checked. 
there's some sort of discussion as to the frequency of how uh, often you should have your saddle checked and I think you know we are looking at a, obviously a minimum of annually but certainly sort of six monthly and if your horse is going through rehab or treatment or is changing their workload then perhaps that frequency needs to be increased. We all know in ourselves that, you know, our trousers can feel a bit tighter sometimes than others. And that's the same for the horse. You know, they change weight and body condition as well as muscle bulk during the changing of the seasons. Uh, and that's going to affect the fit of the saddle. The other problem that I have seen that um, affects the fit of the saddle is actually the type of saddle for the type of horse. And this can be unfortunately limited by the budget of the owner. And I completely understand that. But the problem is, is that if the saddler isn't given the options to provide a saddle that is actually right for the horse, um, perhaps they're limited by the you know, amount the owner wants to spend and they can only fit them with something that is actually a bit of a compromise, then the owner can't go and complain that the saddler didn't fit the uh, saddle very well. The one thing that I have seen uh, and talked about a lot with saddlers is the issue of you know secondhand leather saddles, which obviously are a lot cheaper than a new leather saddle versus perhaps getting a new adjustable synthetic saddle. Some people have got sort of very strict thoughts on what type of saddle they want uh, and don't have the flexibility in mind. But some of these more modern synthetic saddles actually are a good option if if you know they're a basic sort of fit for your horse they have the ability to adjust a gullet and uh, can be flocked as well although they're not going to be one saddle that's going to fit every different profile type of a horse you might have a horse that is very angular has very high withers uh, versus a horse that is um, perhaps a little bit rounder more barrel shaped and you know an adjustable saddle isn't going to have the scope to adjust between those two varieties but it might be that a small adjustment with the saddle might help you get through you know the phase coming out of winter when your horse might be perhaps lighter weight before they put some um, condition on as they go into the summer. The other thing that can be quite useful um, is that if the saddle isn't fitting uh, perfectly then you know a good saddle fitter will be able to advise you on whether using different pads underneath there are ideal but if your saddler hasn't fitted it, prescribed it with those pads, then you can't just shove a, a pad underneath it because you think a sort of a sheepskin half pad looks pretty. Um, and also, you know, we can think that we're doing the right thing by adding shims under areas that look like they're not in contact, but actually it's because it's um, dropping off somewhere else or you've got an asymmetry that's been developing. You know, it is quite complex. It's not as easy as just, uh, you know, trying to uh, uh, fix it as you go along. So one thing before I get into sort of my physio views of things is that I urge everybody to work very closely with their saddler and give their saddler the best opportunities they can to help fit, you know, a decent saddle to you. But I wanted to talk in this podcast about the things that I see that go wrong with the saddles and um, yeah just because these are sort of common features of the saddles that I see and they might be causing problems. One of the things to consider is whether or not it is a mechanical problem or whether it is pain related problem and yes mechanical problems can also be painful but quite uh, in some instances, a horse can feel that there is a mechanical blocking of their movement 
by the saddle and the horse then will avoid moving in that particular way even before it creates pain. So for instance, if the horse is coming uh, into a retraction of their forelimb, so they're bringing their leg back and their shoulder blade is actually then um, lifting up and coming underneath the saddle and um, the horse doesn't like the feel of that because it is creating pressure even before you know there's any tissue damage or bruising or inflammation, the horse might then with this mechanical uh, feeling it doesn't like might actually then restrict the amount of movement through the leg and therefore shorten the stride and sometimes you see your horse is adapting movement because of this mechanical blocking of the saddle and you I might go along and I might assess them and go well I can't find any pain but let's have a look at the saddle and let's have a feel uh, and let's see what's happening to that shoulder blade as it moves underneath the saddle and is that is that a limiting factor so that's sort of the first thing that I would think about. And then the next thing that I think about is about the pressure distribution. So I'm sure you understand that the uh, pressure needs to be distributed over a sort of widest area as possible and as evenly as possible. But if you've got a saddle that is out of balance, then that um, also changes the balance to the amount of pressure through the areas of the, um, of the back underneath the saddle region. So common things might be that the saddle at the front is too wide or too narrow. So if your horse has lost muscle um, or lost body condition through the area behind the shoulder blade, the main muscle there that we're thinking of is the thoracic trapezius. If that has atrophied, though there is less of it, it's wasted away, the saddle, which may have fitted perfectly now, is too wide. What happens then is the front of the saddle just drops down and it'll drop into, some people describe them as those hollows behind the shoulder blades as pockets pockets and when it does that two things happen it either then sits butting up against the back of the shoulder blades which obviously is going to be uncomfortable or the area that the pressure is distributed through the front of the saddle then becomes quite localized into a smaller area uh, usually around sort of the base of the tree points or underneath the stirrup bars uh, and that then creates more pressure through the th thoracic trapezius. And what we know through the neurological input is if you have pain in a muscle or pain coming from joints, that actually inhibits or switches off those muscles even further, which then causes more atrophy. And you get into this cycle of the fact that you've got increased pressure, you've got pain, the muscle switching off, which means they waste away, which is then going to cause more and more unbalance. And in fact, when the, when the, um, saddle drops down in front there's going to be a sort of counter effect to the back of the saddle which is going to affect the balance and it might be that the saddle is moving more at the back or lifting off um, lifting up and down you know when it's um, you're going into rising trot which can be you know destabilizing for a saddle and you can see that saddle pitching forwards and backwards and this is where I mean about you know you might see it and you might think about putting shims in you might look at the back of the saddle and and you might think oh it's lifting off there's a gap there so I'll fill that with some kind of padding when actually it's because of the width at the front that is there therefore causing that effect at the back so that's why it needs to be sort of looked at very closely. 
So if we've got that area of pressure being reduced down to a, a smaller zone, that's when that can cause pressure restriction on the blood flow in the area, compression to the tissues, and then we start to get inflammatory responses. Uh, and if there's damage to the capillaries, you would get bruising, uh, and obviously you're going to then get inflammation in the area, which is going to cause pain. And certainly it's going to be responsive if I go to palpate that area. And you can quite clearly, when you assess a horse, palpate down the back of the shoulder blade, and you can feel uh, exactly where that saddle is sitting, because it is quite a sensitive area. And if I lift up the foreleg and I move the shoulder blade, there might be, uh, sort of I assess the movement of the shoulder blade, sorry, there might be a restriction to movement, or uh, there might even be, uh, you know, the obvious uh, movement of that shoulder blade through that area of pain that's going to cause problems. If that carries on, then you get an effect on the hair and that's when you get um, white hairs and you can get tissue breakdown as well and you can get pressure sores in that area. And I have seen that um, in some of my clients' horses um, where I work, we've got a quite a, a busy hunting community and there might be riders that are on the in the saddle for many, many hours and um, unfortunately that tissue breakdown then can cause wounds and if the the tissue there is very fragile, it takes a long, long time to heal. Uh, and um, to be quite honest, I don't think it ever goes back to being fully healthy. Uh, and then you're likely to have issues when you've got lower durations of being in the saddle. So it's something very important to obviously monitor and check that you don't get as bad as that situation. Um, so that was talking about too wide. The other issue is if the saddle is too narrow. So perhaps your horse has um, put on weight, put on muscle, and therefore the actual width of the tree of the saddle doesn't match the width of your horse through that region just behind their shoulder blades. And then what that's going to do is it, it's going to have the effect that the saddle is going to be sitting up a little bit higher, like a clothes peg on a sort of a, a, a thick um, a, a thick jumper on the clothesline versus a thin t-shirt on the clothesline and what can also be a problem is the actual shape through the tree might not then match your horse underneath. So say if their profile was narrow and you had a sort of V-shaped uh, profile and now you've got a U-shaped profile, that's going to cause some problems. So we're obviously going to get some pressure issues again underneath the points of the tree or the stirrup bars. But rather than um, dropping down and lifting up at the back, what we get is the fact that the front lifts up and then the back of the saddle will then uh, be relatively lower. And we can end up with pressure being worse at the back of the panels of the saddle and um, we can also end up with movement across there so rather than it lifting up and down we can have pressure down and it moving side to side which obviously is going to be a problem. And if your saddle is tipping back like that because it's too narrow at the front and the balance is cordially tilted or it's too wide and the saddle is tilted towards the head, it's tilted forward, that's going to affect you as a rider in the saddle. It's going to affect the orientation of your pelvis and therefore what you do with the rest of your spine to try and compensate for it. We want a rider to be able to tilt their pelvis forward and backwards to actually um, monitor uh, 
uh, mirror the movement of the horse's back but if you're already in a tilted back position then you are going to have to go into more of a c-curve position and your head is going to be uh, tilted back to try and actually sort of regain some of your balance or if your saddle is tilted forwards then it might be that you go into an overextended position and you come a little bit rigid and um, both of those can cause um, quite an effect on us and our comfort uh, and you can see it quite clearly uh, when you watch people People move if they can't actually go into that anterior and posterior tilt then it has all sorts of uh, effects on their shoulders and sort of some funky head movement going on um, to try and compensate it also affects your hip movement and your leg position so if your pelvis is tilted backwards then you might be encouraged to go in a bit of a chair seat uh, and then so when you go into a rising trot you're then going to have a greater pivot over the your weight in the stirrups uh, and that then can cause more movement of the saddle but obviously that's going a little bit more than I was going to talk about into the rider but you can see how the saddle balance has an effect on the rider. The other problems that I see with saddles are the uh, length of them. So if the saddle is too long, and it's a little bit of a sort of contentious discussion point as to what is too long, uh, traditionally with an English style saddle we say that they shouldn't go beyond the 18th rib and that is because the lumbar spine isn't supported by those ribs it's all muscular and so if you put weight back there it's going to be harder for the horse to carry you if you've got a horse that is slightly curved slightly hollowed underneath there and you've got a saddle that is too long uh, and it doesn't follow the shape of the horse's thoracic spine you might end up with bridging which means that there's a gap in the pressure underneath the middle of the saddle panels you've got too much pressure at the front and at the back and especially if the saddle is too long and the conformation of the horse is that it is curving upwards towards the pelvis then you can get real pressure problems where the back of those panels um, press in and that can be a little bit of a problem if like me you've got a horse that might be big enough for me um, so mine is 16.2 but actually ideally he would need a 16 and a half inch saddle rather than perhaps a more rangy bigger horse that would have an average saddle of 16 and a half inches so what you can do in that stage is that you can talk to your saddler and perhaps choose a saddle design that might have something like um, panels that are shaped that actually help the weight distribution in that caudal region it's interesting that western saddles do tend to extend further back into that region and I don't know much about them so I'd be really willing to have a conversation with somebody about the fit of western saddles and how they find that pressure distribution in that lumbar region um, but they, they tend to have sort of wider panels all the way through. So if you've got a saddle that is um, long for the horse and you've got a big tall rider what you'll find is that that will put their weight in the sort of caudal in the back third of the saddle which then creates you know a little bit of a, a problem and can cause pain and this unfortunately does happen when children grow out of ponies and it's always the way they get to know them really well get confident in them and then they're too tall for them and it's not necessarily to do with weight at all it's to do with the length of the levers 
So if their femurs, their thigh bones have got really long and they're trying to sort of scooch up in the horse, in the pony's saddle and keep their stirrup short, what that'll do is it'll have an effect of shoving their bum backwards and they'll sit on the back of the saddle. And then when they go into rising trot, again, you get this large pivoting rotation uh, around the uh, stirrup bars that can cause problem. Or they're, when they're sat in the saddle, their weight is really sat to the back of it uh, and some Sometimes, you know, ponies don't like that. And if the performance of the pony has gone a bit downhill, even though, you know, the, the rider's very capable, it might be that actually it's the mechanics, it's that feeling of instability or that excessive movement through a, a big rider in a, in a saddle that's um, too small for them that might be causing a problem. And actually, that happens, dare I say it, in riders that are carrying a lot of weight. Um, there's a lot of controversy about that, but um, you know that there are ways of managing weight in a saddle, and one of them is not having a horse that's too small for you and a saddle that's too small for you, because that will bias weight to the back of the saddle and put a lot of pressure on there, and that's when you know you might have behavioural responses, and then I would be called out because the horse has back pain, and that is always a really difficult conversation to have with. Uh, with the rider. And then we're going to think about asymmetric saddles. Now, we know that riders are asymmetric, we know that horses are asymmetric, but ideally we want the saddle to be as symmetric as possible. Or do we? And sometimes I have that conversation with saddlers that in the short term, while we're addressing the asymmetry of the horse, we might actually want to um, use a little bit of um, shimming material to actually temporarily shim the saddle asymmetrically to try and balance the saddle. That being said, that's always done after thorough assessment and we've screened the horse for lameness because we do know that a saddle that is slipping, um, the one that is asymmetric, is associated or can be associated with lameness of the horse um, in some circumstances. So that's something that, to think about. But if the saddle is asymmetric, so say it's slipping to the right, what that will do is it will create loading through the front of the saddle on the right and then the left back portion of the panels will then push up against the, the spine and that can be really compromising for the horse and they will not like that. Um, so we don't want any pressure on the midline or the side of the midline. We want a nice wide gullet that allows and accommodates for a little bit of movement but not that sort of gross asymmetry where it is sitting off to the side. So this is why I'm sort of glad that I'm not a saddler because it is a very challenging job. And any of you that are listening that might be saddlers, I take my hat off to you. Um, I work closely with the ones that are in my region and I have my saddles regularly checked and uh, I am obviously very concerned about my own horse's back health uh, and fairly diligent about it. I know that it's going to be much, much easier for a saddler to fit your horse if they have got a range of different styles 
that um, have options for the different shapes and the different demands of your discipline and the different shape and size of riders as well. I also know it's going to be easier for them if you have an unlimited budget, which I know isn't realistic. But I think um, my take on it is that unfortunately saddles do cause a lot of problems. So they do need to be checked regularly and um, you need to give your saddler every opportunity to try and resolve any movement or balance issues so that you can you know help manage your own horse's back health because as a physiotherapist I'm quite happy to go in and help you out in the short term to resolve you know a temporary problem of pain but the one thing that I hate is going back again and again and again for the same problem that isn't being addressed. So I hope you find my sort of thoughts on saddle fitting from a physio's perspective interesting. And as ever, if you've got any comments or you'd like to start a discussion about it, there's always the Facebook group and you could email into the Dr. David Marlin team and that will be forwarded on to me. Um, but uh, just for the moment, yeah, I hope you are having fun with your horses and that you have got your next saddle fitting check booked in. <laughs>